What's up, Poison Pals? Welcome back to That Shit is Poison, boop, boop. hosted by myself, Megan Gesner. And, and myself, Harini Bot. We are living <laughs> and thriving. <laughs> and I am eating a date at 8.30 p.m. Yes, 8.30 p.m. on the dot. And I am not eating anything, but I did have some tacos, some veggie tacos right before this. And I gotta say really nice and yummy and fulfilling That's so i'm awesome. ready to go ready for a full it story is your today story today are is there any um mm-hmm. fun things we need to catch up on before we dive in i do have something that is related because okay this is not even this is not a new episode right this is a two-parter so mm-hmm. y'all know what you're in for we're here for the rajneeshi situation part two so that's what we're gonna be talking about today but I was actually out talking with Dave, like we were just like hanging out, and he told me that one of his uncles actually was part of this Rajneeshi, oh, wow. Rajneeshpuram, not Rajneeshpuram in Oregon, but like yeah, in yeah. India when yeah. it was going down there. And the way that this got brought up was because I, my dad, bless his soul, he has dropped so many times that he wants to be on this podcast, <laughs> and I'm oh I keep gosh, shutting him down. Have, oh. <laughs> I would love to have Papa B on the cast. Oh, Aww. God. I don't know what he would talk about. Actually, no, he has a ton of poison stories, surprisingly. I mean, actually, not too surprisingly. A lot of things can go wrong in the chemistry lab. So, Gotcha. You know yeah. what we'll do? We'll keep Papa B as that untapped well of knowledge <laughs> yeah. and resources and stuff when uh, right. when we start feeling like we're running out of stuff. <laughs> correct. Correct. We're like, all right, let's bring in the big guns. Anyway, so I, my dad was asking me, what's on the pod this week what's the story and so, so i told him <laughs> I and so I, t- I know so i told my parents that i'm doing bhagwan sri ragnish and the whole mm-hmm. story mm-hmm. and they both had like a visceral reaction to me yeah. saying his name they're like oh that bhagwan. guy <laughs> <laughs> i know and i i shouldn't be too surprised that they knew who he was but i was like oh like did you guys like, was it a big thing in india or was it more just you know blown up in the u.s because of mm-hmm. everything going on here and they're like, no, no, like everyone knew who he was. He was pretty revolutionary for the time. But my mom was saying like, all I remember, there's just like a bunch of people naked <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that sounds about right. But yeah, so Dave was telling me that his uncle was actually a part of it. Not sure like to how, how in depth and how involved he was, but I think it was more like he attended a few workshops and things like that. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting. Did he share like what his uncle thought about it? No. Yeah, so he and kind of and this is what stirred the conversation was the reason why his uncle even wanted to engage and attend these workshops because at the very beginning of like when he was still in India, Bhagwan, his teachings were very revolutionary and it was mm-hmm. very different to like what has been the you, you know the mainstay of religion at the time in terms right. of Hinduism, where religion is always so austere typically what regardless of hinduism like any kind of religion tends to be a little more austere and very rule based mm-hmm. and bhagwan was going against the grain in that area by saying like you know we don't have to live like these monks and this is these scriptures are outdated we need to update like still keep the rhetoric in terms of enjoying your life getting the most out of your life and living being a good person but using it in today's world where we're utilizing the technology we don't have to stave off technology we don't have to stave off pleasures and things like that but of course we talked about last week it really just mutated into something different towards the end i don't think we need yeah, to let's go get more into it. Oh, do you have anything yes. else megan nope I am okay. here to indulge in part two. As I had mentioned, the part one, this story is ever fascinating to me mm-hmm. and very just so bizarre. So I'm excited to hear part two and what you bring yeah. to the table. Take it away, Harini. It is time for you to pick your poison. All right, guys, we have picked our poison. Let's get right into it. Let's do the rest of the series. So. Mm-hmm. Just to refresh everyone's memories, last I left you, I believe, we discussed Bhagwan Rajneesh, like who he is, how he started Rajneesh Puram in Wasco County, Oregon. We talked heavily about Sheila and eventually how things escalated so much between the people in the compound that Sheila started to instruct her inner circle to drug these homeless people, the homeless population that they picked up with the antipsychotic Haldol. And she even attempted to try and kill Bhagwan's personal doctor, Devaraj, with epinephrine, but failed. So 
just so everyone's aware, I'm pulling a lot of sources from how we usually do articles and things like that. But I would say the majority of my info is this time coming from the Netflix series. The first part of this episode came from like maybe the first three episodes of the Netflix series. And then this episode is going to be the last three. So let's get right into it. I want to start off with Rajneesh Puram World Festival. So I don't know if you remember this from the documentary, Megan, mm. but the Rajneesh Puram as a whole started to put on these world festivals that just mm. think outside lands, but 10 times bigger. Yeah. And you can only wear maroon. That's literally, <laughs> that's all it was. Like, oh, man. could be a good thing, could be a bad thing, but that's yeah. what it was. There are beer tents, there's the disco, food mm. courts, food stalls, souvenir shops, hair salons, shopping centers, like there's a whole thing, like a whole thing. I think people forget how big Rajneesh Puram was. Like it wasn't this small compound. It literally had the ability to be its own city. Like, mm-hmm. and if it wanted to, its own state. I remember I was watching part of the documentary and then the camera kind of panned over a section of Rajneesh Puram and someone was saying like, oh yeah, this all happened in downtown Rajneesh Puram. I'm like, they have a downtown. (laughs) Like that's how big this place is, right? Like they have their own restaurants. They have their own pharmacies. Like it's a whole thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Just, Just to give that perspective to people. People from all over the damn world would save up money just to attend this. It was a huge, huge money maker in addition to all the money that they were already making. So their total net worth at the time was $65 million in 1983, mind you, mm-hmm. which is about $171 million, so roughly double that now. And he amassed more than 300,000 followers all over the world, mm-hmm. which is, I had to stop and pause because at first when I read that number, I was like, Oh, that's not too much. But we're mm. like so diluted when it comes to social media because people have amassed like millions of followers and things like right, that. Right. But these are just anonymous faces on the internet. To get physical people to yeah. really rally for your cause in person, that's totally something different, right? Yeah. So I had to take a step back and I was like, wow, more than 300,000 followers, that is pretty substantial. Yeah. To have that number in like a physical space. Correct. Um, whether that's at the Rajneesh Param or th- were they? Okay. W- one thing mm-hmm. that needs to be clarified for me, because I yeah. know obviously they started in India and then they relocated because things weren't just, were, were just not working out there. Was the Rajneesh Param the only place or only main central compound mm-hmm. for sannyasins? Did they have any other, what are they called? What is Ashrams. That word? Ashrams are uh, s- satellites. <laughs> satellite yeah, camps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other like satellite <laughs> sister cities, sister yeah, compounds. Yeah. Did, they, did they have that? <laughs> yes, they did. They totally okay. did. They had compounds all over the world, if I'm not mistaken. Obviously, mm-hmm. Pune was pro- like the OG ashram compound, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. Then they did Oregon, but they did have organizations set up all over the world. Mm-hmm. And that's how they would preach and do kind of similar workshops. So yeah, you're right. Gotcha. So they did have places all over the world. The World Festival was an opportunity for those people in the other organizations all over the world to meet all in one place and mm-hmm. get a real sense of what it would be like to be in like it's like going to Disneyland like Rajneesh Purim in Oregon was the Disneyland right you have like your fake ones in Paris and shit like that I'm gonna get yeah, yeah. shit for that for saying that <laughs> but you have like your ones all over the world but you want to go to the OG right uh-huh yeah yeah and that's where Bhagwan lives so obviously these people who are following Bhagwan what a dream it would be to actually see him in the flesh and like actually get a teaching from him so this was you know a huge deal for everybody everyone was saved up for that once a year ticket to come see him at the world festival and when you see the footage of the crowds at this world festival and the people who make up the crowd it's truly this melting pot of different ethnicities different cultures race gender etc you name it Mm. and to know that so many different kinds of people all over the real world truly believed in all this guy is very interesting to think about. Clearly, he was doing something right. You can say whatever you like about them, but they had a fantastic brand and marketing manager, aka Sheila. Mm-hmm. She knew what the people wanted and putting together these fun festival type exclusive to Rajneeshi Sanyasin events were their ticket in the door to popular culture. 
Bhagwan's popularity eventually reached Hollywood and he became somewhat of a celebrity himself with the people over there, specifically with a woman named Francoise Ruddy and her husband, Albert Ruddy, who took a strong interest in Bhagwan and Rajneeshism as a whole. They were both film producers in Hollywood who at the time just produced a legendary film, The Godfather. So they're like, you know, big Hollywood celebrities. So Francoise took her... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry sorry to interrupt. I am surprised that representatives from Hollywood in general or, you know, like Hollywood elite... Sure. Okay, wait, hold on. I'm not that surprised that they <laughs> they are like interested, but the fact that the People's Temple uh, or the events mm, of the People's mm-hmm. Temple like had just happened what like a decade before this? I'm forgetting yeah. the timeline. Yeah, a decade I, before. I'm surprised they're so eager to like jump on this one because True. I'm sure those folks lived through that and like knew Jim Jones's legacy at that point and Right. It's just interesting. But but then it goes back to the same thing. And this is kind of what me and Dave were discussing going back and forth Mm. on. It's like he described it very confidently as a cult. Mm. The Rajneesh Purim, like the whole situation. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if it is. Like, I don't think it was because they didn't use cult-like tactics in the traditional sense. Like, you could leave if you wanted to. Like, they didn't Mm. hold anybody there. Like, that's a big part of being in in a cult. I truly feel like people compare it to Jonestown and compare Mm, it to mm. Jim Jones and be like oh it's not that it's not at all that you know it's totally different and that made them want to be part of it more because they're like Mm. wow this is actually truly different and revolutionary that's kind of what my mind goes through but I agree like also I feel like Hollywood people just like throw themselves out anything that's kind of like weird and you know off the beaten path (laughs) that's why I was like oh maybe I was speaking too soon because then like my brain went to Scientology and I was like I'm speaking too soon (laughs) Tom Cruise yes Mm -hmm. yeah so Francoise Ruddy who's the wife of this Hollywood producer she takes her sannyasin name of Ma Anand Hasya just fun fact Hasya means to smile or to laugh it's beautiful it is a beautiful name even before you told me that i was like that's a really nice sounding name word yeah yeah yeah. it is nice that's (laughs) all i have to say on that okay all right (laughs) and she really adopted the whole lifestyle in her own way she started to throw so they they have this massive mediterranean style estate slash mansion Mm. in the hollywood hills Mm -hmm. and so they start throwing these parties at her massive estate to raise money for bhagwan in the very Hollywood fashion, very glitzy, very glamorous, full luxury. So are they all wearing maroon garb as well? But luxurious oh, maroon garb. I'm trying to think back. I do think that they are still wearing maroon. Yeah. But oh, it, now snap. I'm like, okay, I don't know if you remember the lawyer uh-huh. in the docuseries. Do you remember yes. the guy with the glasses? Okay. Yes. So the reason why I asked you if you know the lawyer, because he's seen at this Hollywood estate mansion, like walking around the pool and he has maroon board shorts <laughs> <laughs> rocking it you know about Megan and I we love a theme we love a we, theme party we love theme Rajni Sheep theme I party know. just like just wear maroon it just came to my brain I was like everyone just it's, the, it's a maroon party we're not gonna call it a Rajni <laughs> yeah. party but no we're like, not that's what we're <laughs> that is what we're gonna be oh my um, god somebody but uh okay. wait, going yeah. going back to the <clears throat> lawyer I remember in the documentary that he before he even joined Rajni Param, he was like a lawyer for some big names, like big names yeah. and big companies. So it makes sense yeah. that he'd be like immediately there in that setting. Totally. So they use their home as a recruiting center. They would essentially invite wealthy Hollywood socialites or just wealthy people in general to their home and show them the benefits of surrendering to Bhagwan. That's literally the words that they use, surrendering mm. to Bhagwan. Mm. Hasya invites Bhagwan himself out to Hollywood eventually to visit slash stay with her and he goes. In the process of doing so, Hasya and her friends would throw complete luxury at him in the form of Rolex watches, private jets, etc. You name it, right? Mm-hmm. And this group of people now like dubbed the Hollywood people, as Sheila would call them. And mm-hmm. they bought Bhagwan a diamond watch that cost one million dollars. Wow. Which is three I just I love doing the today's <laughs> money thing, but that's three point four million in today's money, but that shit doesn't matter because one it's million absurd. in any day's money it's for absurd. a goddamn watch is a lot. It's really <laughs> absurd. I saw the watch, you couldn't even tell the time. Like there was just diamonds everywhere. Um. <laughs> 
<laughs> what time is it? Oh, it's diamond o'clock. What do you mean? It's what time is it? o'clock. <laughs> and the shit also glows in the dark because it has radium in it. But no. Did it actually? Oh, that would no, be hilarious. No, no, no. <laughs> okay, no, while you keep talking, I'm actually going to look up what, what it looks like. Okay, yeah, keep going. So <laughs> her go. and her counterpart, John, who was like not her husband, but just like a partner in this whole situation, they are interviewed and the person who's interviewing them is asking like, oh, like how much money have you given Bhagwan? Mm. And they're like, oh, they like, and they're so nonchalant about it. They're like, oh yeah, like, you know, we just gave him like a few hundred thousand dollars each. Oh my God. <laughs> and they're like so proud to say that mm. because I think, you know, they think he's a really amazing person and they think it's right. like a, a great use of the money, abundance of money that they have, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And with that kind of money came direct access to Bhagwan. Hasya started hosting essentially the same type of events that they would hold at Rajeshpuram back in Hollywood with Bhagwan, but with one distinct difference, no Sheila. Mm. So you can imagine this made Sheila feel threatened. Her mm-hmm. position as secretary was on shaky grounds now that this rich Hollywood woman has come onto the scene. There were other people in Bhagwan's ear that weren't her voice anymore, and that was of great concern to Sheila. So mm-hmm. the straw that broke the camel's back for Sheila was sort of twofold. One was when Bhagwan came back from Hollywood and told Sheila to open up another Rajneesh corporation and have Hasya and John run it. That really pissed her off. And two was when the Rajneeshpuram pharmacist came to Sheila very concerned over a prescription that was written for Bhagwan by his doctor, Devaraj. So mm-hmm. in the last episode, I told you guys how Sheila attempts to assassinate Devaraj. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I really described the reason for that. And that's because it's what I'm about to tell you right now. And mind you, when I say there's a reason for that, I don't mean a reason that is logical to yours and mine's brain. It was the mm. reason Sheila formulated in her mind that justified her actions. Okay. Right, right. So back to our local Rajneesh Purim pharmacist. According to Sheila, the prescription was written for a combo of laughing gas, which is nitrous oxide, and Valium, mm-hmm. which are, if I were to describe it very simply, both in like the sedative relaxant family. Sheila was enraged about this because Bhagwan never did drugs before this, and she felt that this Hollywood people had changed him, hooked him onto this fast life of luxury and drugs, which wasn't what he was about. So she goes mm-hmm. to confront him that night about the drugs and, in general, how he's changing, and Bhagwan simply tells her to stay out of it. Mm. And around the same time, two things happen. Hasya from Hollywood marries Devaraj, the doctor, so now Hasya has even more direct access to Bhagwan than Sheila does. Right. Second thing, Sheila hears something that super concerns her more than the drugs. Mm-hmm. Because remember I told you that Sheila wiretapped Bhagwan's entire estate. Did yes. I say that last so, week? Yeah, so okay. You, you did. And then it led to where we left off, which was the injecting the doctor. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Injecting the yeah. physician mm-hmm. with whatever. So, okay. Sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry if I missed this. The events of Bhagwan suddenly getting close to Hasya, is this happening simultaneously with Sheila getting paranoid and wiretapping, or is this happening specifically after the attack on his physician? No, you're right. So just to clarify to everybody, this is all happening simultaneously. Got it. Okay. So the wiretapping happens while he's in Hollywood or like even before that. She's just Mm -hmm. getting overall paranoid Mm -hmm. that they're just like, he's moving away from her mm-hmm. and then Devaraj is happening. And then essentially Hasya is invited to Rajneesh Puram and also invited to have her own organization. And then she marries Devaraj and she hears about these drugs and things like that. So she's like, mm-hmm. Oh shit, like I got to do something. So she uses the wiretapping gotcha. information to justify killing Devaraj. And I see. So it's like multiple reasons that yeah. leads up to this point. So, so Bhagwan's, growing intimacy like personal friendship with Hasya do we know was it just because that she was a Hollywood elite that was willing to provide resources for the Rajneeshwaram is that why he was getting close or is there also like sentiments of even though like all this is happening simultaneously is there sentiments of like I don't really trust Sheila as my secretary anymore and this Hasya lady is really cool plus she's giving me money like do we know why he was getting so close to Hasya and 
kind of in a way becoming neglectful in his relationship mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. Sheila. Yeah, they don't outright say it because yeah. he's kind of a silent individual in, in all of this. But yeah. they give a very good impression in my mind that Hase was kind of like this shiny new toy. Mm, and okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he was basically feeling like a king whenever he went to Hollywood. Everyone mm. was obsessed with him. Not that people weren't obsessed with him at Rajneesh Puram, but things were right. more, I want to say, structured there. Like there was more a rhythm to things and people mm. kind of knew their place. They weren't like, you know, overly, like even though um, mm. he had all his Rolls Royces and things like that, I wouldn't say that the Rajneesh Puram was overly luxurious in any way. Right. They were right. very dutiful in their worshiping and their spiritualism right. and things like that, but they weren't like, extravagant right so right, when right. he went to hollywood and he was just getting doused with money and cars and gifts and things like that like drugs they show mm-hmm. a montage of him and he's literally just like giggling to himself like he's like on freaking cloud nine of whatever <laughs> they've given him he's just like you can barely see his eyes he's just like super <laughs> he's just happy so, ex- <laughs> so ha- elevated and happy he's elevated there. he's that levitating me- to quote dua lipa yes <laughs> <laughs> that seriously makes me think of the the spoof one, Batshit yeah. Country, Batshit Valley or whatever. <laughs> right. And Owen Wilson's like, where's my crack cocaine? <laughs> that's literally, <laughs> literally what it is. like, where's my cocaine? That's literally what it is, though. He's just like somewhere else. He's not on Earth, planet Earth. <laughs> I think he just was open to a whole different world that he didn't know was a thing. So for him to enter Hollywood in the 1980s, which is like the drug capital of America and the of the drug scene in the 80s, like I just Mm -hmm. he was just enjoying his his goddamn life. Yeah. But anyway, so I think that's why he was like, oh, this is this is fun, you know? Like I kind of like this lifestyle, and like I want to keep her around because she makes me feel good, and I like always have a good time when I'm with these people. So going back to Sheila, so Sheila wiretaps. Bhagwan's entire house back in Rajneesh Puram. Mm-hmm. And what she would do every single day with her inner circle, she'd have two people grab the cassette every single day with the recordings, then go back into a secret bunker to listen slash record what was being said and then report that back to Sheila. Mm. One of these days, the tape records Bhagwan asking Devaraj, his doctor, how he could go about inducing death in a dignified and painless manner. Devaraj explains how they could do it, and Bhagwan tells Devaraj to retrieve those meds, bury them in the garden until he asks for them for himself. Mm-hmm. So this was the nail in the coffin for Sheila to kill Devaraj. So that's when she decides to inject him with adrenaline or mm-hmm. epinephrine. And when she confronts Bhagwan about the drugs, I kind of agree with her on this front. She's kind of like, it is a dangerous game to engage with drugs. If it ever got out that you, Bhagwan, use drugs, then mm-hmm. every legal entity would descend upon Rajneeshpuram and have ample reason to shut us down, right? Because mm-hmm. at that point, they were looking for anything, just absolutely anything, just to like put them over the edge and shut the whole situation down, right? When Sheila had been doing everything possible to not only keep it open, but also extend their power on behalf of Bhagwan and per his own request to make them a city, to eventually make them a state. She's working day and night to by means that we probably don't agree with, but she's still working tirelessly on his behalf to make sure that Rajneesh Param is well and alive. And mm-hmm. for him to go and like do all these drugs, she just was like, what are you doing? You know, like you're being mm-hmm. so reckless. Like this is stupid, right? Right. Okay. So she's, she's thinking... Mm-hmm bitch i worked hard to get a good thing going here yes and you are starting to falter and flounder and getting sucked into this glitz and glam right and you as a figurehead need to get your shit together right she's like she's she's like you need to get your shit together and i'm sure there was a tad of jealousy but it's like you are getting swayed by these smoke and mirrors of hollywood when like your purpose is here like focus like put the blinders on you know yeah yeah. and but he's he's not listening because he's fucking high on cocaine so he he's beyond reason he's beyond reason again last straw for sheila she she tells her inner circle what happened and Mm. in the middle of the night they all board one of their private planes and leave rajneesh Purim for good right and that's that Mm -hmm. she's just gone but it was too late because the damage by sheila had already been done Mm. so now we're gonna get into the poisoning of it all the following events were all carried out 
in the hopes of the Rajneesh people winning the Wasco County election so they could become a recognized city, et cetera, which gave them staying power, right? Mm-hmm. So prominent people of Wasco County and the greater Antelope area, journalists, government officials, they all received a box of chocolates on their front doorstep. Inside the chocolates is a note that says, thank you for your support for the Columbia River Gorge. Hmm. Everyone is delighted by the gift and just start eating these chocolates (laughs) Uh, i don't blame them (laughs) if a box of random chocolate showed up on my doorstep it would take me a moment to think about why i just so willingly have them in my mouth already (laughs) well i think since i don't like chocolate i probably wouldn't have eaten it but True. if a box of fried chicken showed up on my doorstep, <laughs> yes. I wouldn't even read the note. I'd be like, wait, there was a note? <laughs> I just saw my name and I smelled yeah. it. It's in my stomach already. <laughs> I would be like, thank you, God. Thank you, universe, for bringing this to me. I don't have to make lunch. It's a good day all around. That's so funny. That's a good point. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, everyone's delighted. They eat that shit up. In the governmental office the next day, someone sees Bowen Blair, who is the director of the Friends of the Columbia River Gorge, and tells him, Bowen, thank you for those chocolates you sent us. Mm -hmm. And Bowen goes, I'm not aware that we sent anyone any chocolates. That puts some red flags into everyone's hands. Like, oh, shit. But the thing is, they don't, even in that moment, they don't really think like, oh, anything's amiss. It's poison chocolates. Like, no, no, no. People aren't thinking that. But people are getting sick. Right. I'm laughing because like, um, wait, sorry. What was the guy's name from the actual organization? Oh, Bowen Blair. Bowen Blair. Yeah. The person who like, oh, you know, thanks for the chocolate. Bowen's like, what are you talking about? We don't go chocolates. And then the guy pulls out the note that's clearly like printed from word 1980, whatever. And it's just like a child's handwriting. Thank you for your support. You mean you didn't write this? This isn't from you guys? Or it's just like cut out from like all every letter is like cut up from a different word of a magazine. Yeah. It's just like some absurd homemade note. And then it has like a piece. I'm now I'm going too far. I was going to say it has a piece of a maroon cloth stuck to it. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, oh, what? Um... (laughs) Anyways, yeah, people are getting sick left and right, but they're not exactly attributing it to the chocolate right away. Mm -hmm. Later on, they retrieve one of the intact chocolate boxes. There was one person that had the self-discipline to say no. And so they (laughs) take one of the chocolates over and they see a teeny weeny pinprick at the bottom, indicative of someone injecting something inside the chocolate. Huh. Okay. Mike Sullivan the district attorney of the county almost died at that time from the chocolates and no one knew why. Like that was the scariest part. Like people were getting sick, but everyone's like, what? Like, why are people getting sick? We don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. So Mike recalls in an interview that his skin changed different colors and his lips were quite literally blue from cyanosis or the lack of oxygen. And it was just befuddling to everyone what was going on. Then it gets worse. Then Everyone in the county gets sick. They're Mm. violently ill with diarrhea. They're Mm -hmm. having headaches and nausea. People think it's food poisoning, which it technically, yes, Mm -hmm. it was. An entire town was poisoned. Mm. 751 people. That is the largest biowarfare attack in history to date. Wow. Wow. Sheila actually poisoned an entire town. (laughs) This is what most people know this Mm -hmm. story for Mm -hmm. so they cultured salmonella in their labs disguised as storage containers so their labs were disguised as these storage containers on the compound then they go into the town and sprinkle salmonella onto the open Mm -hmm. salad bars which is just yeah gross i you know no no no. uh, okay so just gonna interject when i think about this story watching wild wild country when it comes to I'm just going to use the word cult, even though I know where we kind of stand on identifying this group as a as a cult. But like growing up, I would always hear stereotypes of like, oh, it's a like it's a sex cult, which those do, ex- yeah. do, do exist. Mm-hmm. But like, oh, it's a it's a specifically an Indian based 
sex cult is a stereotype where right. it's like peace, love, but then just like copious amounts of sex and um, <laughs> yeah. that's a stereotype. But then there is also like the stereotype of salad bars being poisoned and stuff like that. I didn't realize that those two stereotypes were both targeted towards the Rajneeshi yeah. movement. Like I didn't realize mm. that those were actually two things that came from that. I just was always oh, like interesting. these are the like the small little quips and remarks that like modern comedy and television right. will say about Indian based cults and cults, things like yeah. that. So, interesting. So that's just like my little take on like growing <laughs> up and realizing things later as an adult. Right. So, right. Yeah. That's exactly what they did. They would just sprinkle it onto salad bars and things like that, which it was funny because this is just a really quick side note. So all of last week, Poison Palace, I was doing wedding food tastings. Okay. Mm. And I was talking to the owner of the restaurant and he was like, yeah, as a restaurant industry, you know, coming back from COVID, we realized that open buffet style food is going to be obsolete because no mm. one's going to want to touch the same ladle or spoon that someone mm-hmm. else had just touched before and then all this food that's just laying out that people can cough on that shit like breathe on it sneeze on it like think, you're not going to want to eat that food i think this this wedding food director is giving people way too much credit but <laughs> continue <laughs> yeah so i mean i wonder though that could make it obsolete i, I don't know i mean like, yes i think yes obviously like Dude, what's the one in San Diego? Soup Soup plantation. plantation. Totally disappeared. Gone. Out of business. And it's crazy to to know and and see that. And I think that, yes, there's some truth that the traditional buffet style will be obsolete. But I'm just like, dude, our consumerist culture (laughs) loves that. It's true. Twelve ninety nine deal for unlimited buffet. <laughs> like, buffet. Like people are gonna be like, I know that there might have been someone with COVID touching this, but twelve ninety nine all you can eat buffet. So <laughs> all I can hear is free ninety nine. What? <laughs> but actually, you're right because I don't really see buffets going away. For mm-hmm. example, in Vegas, right? Like right. all the all you can eat buffets. Like that's like a staple. That's- a yes. Vegas culture, you know? Absolutely. It's part of the experience. It is. It is part yeah. of the experience. And if you get so. COVID, that's just an added bonus to the experience. <laughs> so 751 people were violently ill. No one died, thankfully. Mm. But why did they do this? Like, why mm. did they want to poison an entire town? Mm-hmm. Well, they did it all in the aim of just decreasing voter turnout on the Wasco mm. side. They really, look, Sheila was pushing for Bhagwan's vision of becoming the city state. This was the only way that she could see in her, you know, deranged mind mm-hmm. <laughs> that this could work out, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So what was the aftermath of all of this? So Sheila does a bunch of antics in the lead up to her eventually dipping out forever from Rajneesh Puram, all in the name of winning this damn election. So she's gone now, right? Like mm-hmm. she leaves on this plane and she doesn't leave by herself. She leaves with her innermost circle, her mm-hmm. most loyal followers. The next morning, people quickly realize that Sheila and the people living with her at Jesus Grove, which is where she lived, mm-hmm. are all gone. Mm-hmm. The whole place is cleaned out. Bhagwan realizes what has happened, and he finds out that Sheila had wiretapped his entire home, and he quickly turns on her. Like, on a dime, he's like her most immediate enemy. Mm-hmm. It's pretty wild. And he denies having any knowledge or involvement in any of Sheila's criminal activities. Mm. He cooperates with the feds wholeheartedly, taking the role of, you know, I'm the victim of this crazy lady who has duped all of us, including Mm me. And that's Mm -hmm. his story. The feds don't believe him for a second. Mm. So they eventually raid Rajneesh Puram and find these locked hidden cabinets that contained a plethora of information on all the goings on at Jesus Grove where Mm. Sheila lived. One of the sources that I used was interesting because they got this information back in 1983 or or whenever this happened, Mm -hmm. but they didn't release it to the public until 2018. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to read some of these excerpts that I found on this website and it's diary style. Like someone had handwritten these and I think it was Sheila who wrote this. So here we go. Ma Anand Puja is the main person in these excerpts. And she is this Filipino nurse by trade, by Mm -hmm. original trade. And Mm -hmm. she's, I think the head nurse in Rajneeshpuram. So, Ma Nand Puja asked the lab to culture salmonella. Ava called in to Sheila, told her that we have to destroy the Dalles, which is the neighboring mm-hmm. town to Wasco. Mm-hmm. One enlightened master is worth 10,000 asleep people. Whoa. Yeah. 
it's really scary and uh, by asleep are we like reading that as dead like i read that as dead okay. for sure i read that as God, dead. that is scary as hell That's it's really pretty scary, scary. Okay. yeah Pooja distributed drugs to to keep people, quote unquote, happy, out of pain, asleep. She asked for rat poison. She prescribed Mm. the Haldol Mm. because these people are, quote unquote, psychopaths Mm. and could murder someone. But then someone else who's writing this saying that Mahana and Pooja had no general knowledge of treatment for this diagnosis. She was just Mm. giving this out to people, which, again, was what we were talking about was so why that that was so wrong in the last episode. Right, right. Then there's the Helen Byron trial. Mm -hmm. So Helen Byron was actually a person who was a Rajneeshi disciple. She was sannyasin, but she leaves, like she defects. And Mm. she gives information to the FBI of what goes on at Rajneesh Puram. Mm. And right before her trial, Sheila sent some people to Portland to follow her and poison her. Sheila told her to do it. Pooja gave her the stuff. They failed. Sheila is really pissed off. <laughs> That's what's written there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Basically, I, it goes, yeah. the list goes on, the list goes on of mm-hmm. all these people who quote unquote have wronged Sheila and she just gets her people to kill them via poison. She goes after yeah. all these people systematically, but nothing really comes of it. No one dies. And she's just like, in her eyes, she's like, I'm surrounded by idiots. <laughs> Like, like can't even kill this person but yes thankfully no one died <laughs> i know i know like thankfully but i am just like after all the stories we do on assassination attempts that technically go wrong you right. know like i'm just like this woman i was almost gonna say this poor woman no no she's not yeah, a poor woman. No, but no, this she's woman not. in a way i'm i am like lady i understand your ambitions here and that you are doing something in your mind to pr- that protects right. you but yeah. you are not like a trained cia kgb no <laughs> korean agent you know what i'm saying like right right like, it's so like weirdly conspiracy-esque but like mm-hmm. i think what what i'm trying to get at is she's simultaneously so intelligent about yeah. her actions and her intentions mm-hmm. but i almost think that she's sees herself too high and mighty to be calling out these like assassination attempts Mm because i'm like these people aren't actually trained killers like i don't care if in the wild wild country documentary they're showing them shoot guns or whatever like it's just absurd sorry that's all i I had to say no i 100 agree with you like the way i think of sheila in these like last few moments of her being in this cult so to speak mm-hmm. is she's like icarus like flying way too close to the sun yeah. she's flying straight into the sun and she's bringing her followers with her yeah so you can't you're not larger than life you're not larger than you know god itself just because yeah. you thought you were so close to this god figure right like i could not fathom this because i would never ever do this but like i could not <laughs> fathom like being the leader of something that I like have my no. closest friends. Imagine Harini, you and Drew, you're like my closest friends. And for some reason you're following me in this. I could not imagine being like Drew Harini. You're my most trusted <laughs> allies. I want you to go assassinate someone knowing full well, you have no assassination skills. You know what right, I'm saying? Right. Like, it's weird. It's weird. <laughs> it's well, she has weird. so much faith. Like she has so much. Imagine if she put that energy towards like, solving world hunger or something like she would be (laughs) freaking mother Teresa. but alas here we are so they get all this information from the raid right all the Mm -hmm. excerpts i just read to you guys so that was more than enough to indict and convict everybody but guan i believe just gets deported back to india he doesn't get charged necessarily on anything Mm -hmm. they're just like we're done with you just leave we like we will pay you to leave you know yeah just don't come back so they deport him back to India and he is not, he's banned from traveling to the U.S. anymore, I believe. And mm-hmm. he just continues his teachings in India in the OG Pune ashram until his death. Our lawyer friend goes with him and just lives out his final days, Bhagwan's final days with him because he does eventually die at the mm-hmm. ashram. And then we have Jane Storr, who is Ma Shanti B. Just a refresher, she is the one who is second lieutenant to Sheila and was the one who actually injected Devaraj with the adrenaline or epinephrine. Mm. And it sucks because you would think that Sheila would get the most prison time, but Mashanti B or Jane Stork got the most time out of anybody. Mm. She got 10 years in a U.S. federal prison. Sheila technically got 20 years for conspiracy and attempted murder, but she was paroled after 39 months. That's like just over two years. Yeah. 
for good behavior. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then get this. After that, she stays in Switzerland running a home for disabled folks. Yeah. And Megan, I don't know if this comes to mind, but the mm. one thing I'm thinking is like, oh, shit, do we have a Dorothy Puente situation yeah. on our hands? <laughs> Those That's what people. I thought. I want to I wanna believe she's changed her ways. Isn't she in Switzerland, though, because she's like evading arrest? Am I getting that wrong? That's what I thought. I believe but... so. I believe so. Okay. I, I do remember from the doctor, although it was like, I think the very first episode, I do yeah. believe her saying, remember her saying that she cannot leave Switzerland because then she can get extradited back to the U.S., something right. like that. Right, right, right. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like her location is like undisclosed or whatever. Right, yeah. right. Exactly. And when I was just doing this research for this episode, I came across an article from a Mm -hmm. news outlet in India. And basically, there's this really, really famous Bollywood director named Karan Mm -hmm. Johar. And he is actually finishing up a documentary on Sheila. And Mm -hmm. he brings her to India for the first time since she ever left originally in Pune uh, all those years ago back in the 80s so this is her first time coming back home to her hometown her homeland and he basically documents her journey back to India and interviews her so that's supposed to come out probably soon-ish but I just thought that was interesting because technically her 20 years are over I think she is now free to travel if if she would like to that's just something I found curious interesting so let's talk about the toxicology. So that is a story wrapped up in a nutshell. Toxicology, let's talk about salmonella infection. It's also called, this particular type is called salmonellosis. Okay. Is a common bacterial disease that affects the intestinal tract. So there are other levels of sickness of salmonella. You can also get typhoid fever, which is a more severe case of salmonella poisoning, but that's not typically transmitted through food. The salmonella that we're talking about today is a bacteria that lives in animals and bird intestines and are spread through feces. Mm. The most common way it spreads to humans is by contaminated water or food. So sometimes you don't develop any symptoms at all. Mm -hmm. But if you do, which pretty much all 751 people in this town did, they will get severe diarrhea, fever, abdominal cramps, and that will present in pretty much in eight to 72 hours. Mm -hmm. So presents similar to food poisoning, which if you guys have ever had food poisoning, you know that shit hits you real fast. Most will recover fully without any specific treatment at all. Death can and has occurred due to salmonella poisoning. And usually it's in people who are already immunocompromised. Think like people who have HIV Mm -hmm. or, you know, cancer, Mm -hmm. younger kids or elderly. Mm -hmm. And the reason that they die is usually from dehydration. Mm -hmm. When the bacteria enters your system, most of it will get destroyed by the naturally acidic environment in your stomach, but there will be a handful that survive that environment, and those are the ones that you got to really worry about because they're clearly very strong-willed bacteria. Also, some of it can get caught in your mucosa. So whether that's like Mm. on the way down in your esophagus or just like, you know, in your lung area, that can happen too. Those bacteria will then go on to cause intense inflammation in your gut region, Mm -hmm. causing the symptoms a person will experience with typical salmonella poisoning. Again, although not always deadly, it still can make you pretty sick. Mm -hmm. And just some facts to leave you guys with. Salmonella can live in a bathroom for weeks Mm. after contamination. Water acts like a bacterial reservoir for salmonella. But they don't just survive in water. They can also survive in extremely arid or dry environments and foods for years, actual Mm. years. That's pretty scary. And you can't kill salmonella by freezing it, but UV light and heat can speed up the destruction. They can die after being heated up to 55 degrees Celsius for everyone else who's on the U.S. folks (laughs) or 131 degrees Fahrenheit for at least Mm. 90 minutes. But... If they are sandwiched in a lot of fat, so think meats, things Mm -hmm. like that, or even peanut butter. And the reason why I say peanut butter is because there was a huge poisoning scandal Mm -hmm. in the U.S. two decades back at a peanut butter factory where all the Mm -hmm. peanut butter had salmonella in it. So if it's, I know. It's okay. I don't like peanut butter. I don't like peanut butter either. I (laughs) cannot. I'm sorry. I hate peanut butter. Okay. So, but if they're sandwiched in between a lot of fat, 
like in some types of meat or peanut butter, they can resist Mm -hmm. the heat and survive for up to 194 degrees Fahrenheit for up to 30 minutes. So you could just be heating. I don't know why you would heat peanut butter, but if you were like, I don't know, there could be salmonella in this and you heat it up for just 90 (laughs) minutes at the 131 that you typically should. That's not good enough. You could still get sick. I love that. I'm like, yes, poison pals, please tweet us. Or email us if you if you like peanut butter and if you ever heat it up, tell us why you heat it up. Like, yeah, I'd be curious. Do people yeah. do that? Do people heat up peanut know. butter? I don't know. I don't eat it enough to know. So it's just an interesting concept. And Anyways. I would like to know the other way around. Do you ever freeze yeah. your peanut butter or do you keep your peanut butter cold? I can see keeping peanut butter cold. And I only okay. say that because my mom would keep our peanut butter in the fridge growing up. Okay. But I can see people like balling it into little balls and like freezing yeah. them to be like little desserts later. Yeah, yeah, Freaks. totally, totally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the riskiest food items that have the most risk for salmonella mm-hmm. are chicken and pork for meat. Oh, for no. vegetables, I know, I know. <laughs> for vegetable, wait, wait, okay, so am I if you deep fry your chicken, does it... Well, it, has it, it will kill. I'm pretty sure that's going to get up to that 140 yeah. degrees Fahrenheit that we need. So, okay. <laughs> I'm just laughing. <laughs> because no, no, because haven't you seen those videos? I don't know if you guys remember, you guys remember like back in the day when like YouTube was first a thing. One of the very first videos on YouTube that I recall is like people putting like a slab of pork on their pan. And then you can literally see like the bacteria moving. Ooh, no, I don't remember that. Yeah, and then they yeah. would like heat it up, and then the, the bacteria would just stop moving because they were like dying. Ooh, that's but cool. that's disgusting. I'm like, it you're still going to eat that shit afterwards. But the bacteria is dead. You just got <laughs> dead bacteria on your it's palate. Like, that's all. Oh, it's disgusting. <laughs> it's just gross. It's all gross. <laughs> yeah. You're going to say something, Megan? Uh, no, I was just laughing at the concept <laughs> okay. of like me being bummed out. Oh, like salmonella is prone to be on chicken. But the good thing is I love fried chickens. <laughs> I know. So we're good. Okay. Don't speak too soon. Oh, oh, no. Oh, yes. no. Well, actually, I don't even know if you like these, but maybe you do. So oh. nix the vegetables. So, so vegetables, okay. sprouts tend to be high risk. Whatever, alfalfa, we don't need you. Like who eats alfalfa anymore anyways? And then processed foods, guys. Processed food. Foods mm. like chicken nuggets. I'm sorry. Anyone, any, you don't have to be a college kid. Like chicken nuggets are great. Anyone can have. I just recently cook some chicken nuggets. My mom brought them down. (laughs) Any, any human with a good palate might enjoy chicken nuggets that are frozen and processed from time to time. And they were so specific. This is a source I got from the CDC website. Mm. Pot pies. So chicken pot pies. Yeah. Processed foods like frozen pot pies can also be high risk for salmonella poisoning. Those Marie Callender pot pies from Costco. That's that's literally what I was thinking. Look. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So watch your Mm. pies, kids. Okay. Mm, mm. And the last thing I'll leave you with, because I personally found it mind boggling that salmonella can persist for so long. And I did say it can persist for years, mm-hmm. but now I'm telling you, they found some prehistoric salmonella. So <laughs> these things leave forever. So <laughs> these salmonella bacteria were found in 6,500 year old human remains in the Western Eurasia area mm-hmm. region, yeah. which provides evidence of widespread infection in prehistoric times so that is going to live with you forever guys heat it up fry it it up just fry fry everything you eat at this point (laughs) yeah you know you know i know paula dean is problematic but she she was on to something you know fry the butter fry the peanut butter fry it all you never Uh, know (laughs) okay questions for you questions for you okay how does one cultivate salmonella in their mm. discrete lab on a Rajneesh Puram. Like, what was their process? Mm-hmm. If organically, quote unquote, organically found within like bird <laughs> feces and intestines. Right. Like, yeah. How do you make it? Or do you think they were like collecting it from organic sources? I am using the word organic very liberally here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's a great question, but I don't know like the exact process of mm. what they did. But yeah. in general, what I'm thinking, like, I, like for example, like I don't know if they literally like 
took a bird saliva or whatever they did yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then like grabbed it from that and then yeah synthesized it from there yeah right but i do know what they did is <clears throat> however they got it they got like a small sample of salmonella mm-hmm. and then they cultured it onto a petri dish and then basically gave it sugar or like whatever they needed it to grow yeah. on that dish and then yeah. it multiplied from there and then they would take that sample put it on another petri dish and then that would just multiply it from there and then they yeah. would take that and like i said it's really good in arid environments mm-hmm. so my thought process is they probably desiccated it meaning just like mm. drying it so much that it's like almost like a powder mm. because what i do know that they did is they they said they sprinkled it on top of the salad bar. So I think they had yeah. brought this desiccated salmonella. Mm. They put it onto the salad bar so you couldn't even see it, basically. Right. And then once the people ingested it, it kind of awoke in the body and right, just right. wreaked havoc, right? Yeah. So I think that's what they did. Yeah. And I assume based on watching the documentary, I know that they, mm-hmm. a handful of their followers were like chemists, like intelligent yes, folks yes. that probably came from higher education and research. Right. And I'm sure that they had connections to if you, they wanted like a sample from an institution they could have just totally pulled on those ties and totally. gotten like their base sample right and they and it wasn't just them culturing salmonella they were also concocting all kinds of poisons on behalf yeah. of sheila like that was right. like her poison lab yeah. to poison everyone else with all her enemies yeah. it was kind of scary so yeah. yeah, I just think about like the Alm Shinrikyo story because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they also like that was a big thing for them. Oh, having yeah. a lab That's right. for bioterrorism purposes. Dude. So like, I don't know what that's about. <laughs> like, I know. I was just going to is- say, I was like, I think this is the fourth episode we've done where someone has had a lab, like a poison lab. Yeah. Like, why? But like these people specifically, I feel like it's very it's a very distinct difference to be an individual mm-hmm. with a lab. That's true. And doing like your own malevolent things with whatever you're producing with a lab versus yeah. like an organized group with a lab. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't know what my thought is trying to complete as, but I'm just saying like, what is it about quote unquote cult structures where they want mm-hmm. to build labs to, I don't know, create poison? I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I think poison is power in their minds. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow some similarities there i suppose but mm-hmm. that's that's bad that's this whole story guys so part two awesome. is done loved it it still fascinates me oh i looked up what um the new sheila documentary that's mm. coming out it's mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. supposed to drop april 21st oh of wow this year wow. so we are recording on the 19th of april which yeah it's gonna drop in two days so by the time you guys listen to this you'll probably have seen a preview or netflix being like Here's a new documentary. Enjoy in your quarantine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe we'll do a little link or a post on where you can watch that if, if it's yeah. available in the US. And then apparently I was just going through like Sheila's Wikipedia. Yeah. Apparently <laughs> Priyanka Chopra, mm-hmm. she's going to mm-hmm. like play her in an Amazon film that's about Sheila. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I did. I do remember seeing that. That would be interesting. Because I don't feel like she looks... I feel like she's not the same build or no. even looks like her. So I think that was, no. a, that was a miss for me. But I'm, I'm always so curious, curious about those films. Yeah, I'm like, are they going to portray her as a maligned woman or portray her... Mm-hmm. Right. Objectively. <laughs> I don't right, know. I know, I know. Yeah. I mean, objectively, she could just be... Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I have my opinions, but I I just feel like I... You never really know someone, especially yeah. based on a Netflix documentary. Like nothing's ever like cut and dry. But I do feel strongly about on a very generic scale of like this person is morally righteous and this person is morally mm-hmm. questionable. The questionable side is heavier for me when I think about Sheila. Completely. Yeah. And like, I don't know if you felt this way, Megan, but I've rewatched a lot of these scenes a lot in the mm-hmm. preparation for this episode. Yeah. But when I see her in her older age being interviewed yeah. and she is recounting what has happened in the past, yeah. I'm like, are you pulling all of our legs? Right. Are you pretending right now? Mm. I, I can't discern. She has no remorse, basically. She still yeah. has no remorse about what she did. She genuinely like feigns guilt, any yeah. guilt or anything like that. Like, oh, like, 
what do you mean? I, I didn't do anything wrong. Like I right. just did what was right at the time, what right. I thought I was doing. And then it turned out to be this whole lie. And he, Bhagwan was not who he said he was. Yeah. She was like, I'm the victim here. Like I was duped, you know? Yes. So yes. I can't tell if she's just like so on another level of mm. cunning and deceit or she genuinely believes all this. So that's the, that's the line I can't tow in my yeah. mind. I, I'm with you there. I think regardless of like, those distinctions because i agree like with like i always want to you know tend to be an optimistic person i always want to like believe the best in people so it's same so but but what i'm trying to say is like regardless of those distinctions right she doesn't take responsibility you probably already said that like she she doesn't take responsibility or give any sort of inkling of regret and that's why like i'm just like maybe if she talked in a way where she was just like i do genuinely believe that the bhagwan was a changed person and like seeing that made me really upset at the time i felt like i needed to protect the rajnish param so i went to these extreme measures was it right Mm -hmm. no but at the time that's what i felt i needed to do for my survival if she talked like that like i would be like okay you recognize what you did is wrong and you're objective about it but yeah. there's like none of that there's like no, no. onus <laughs> so, there's no onus yeah, yeah i love that you finally used yeah. the word if she had said that i'd be like okay she's seen the light and mm-hmm. she hasn't you know that tells me like she's still living in this delusional world and on top of that Mashanti b or jane mm-hmm. stork who is like her secondhand woman yeah in this whole thing she's a very prominent figure in this netflix series mm-hmm. she gets interviewed as well and she goes through her whole account and she's very honest very real about it and then towards the end she's like i was traumatized by this entire yeah. experience she was like i didn't realize my life was so sucked in by this world mm-hmm. and as soon as i stepped out of it forcefully mind you you know because they had to flee and then mm-hmm. it was in prison for it mm-hmm. she left and i think she tells us really she tells us really gripping story where she is also in a situation where she cannot leave the country that she's in because then she could get extradited back i think she's mm-hmm. in germany still and her son who was also with her in Rajneshpuram, but mm-hmm. he he left like a while ago her son had brain cancer i believe mm-hmm. do you remember this barely sort of okay yeah. yeah so essentially her son gets has terminal brain cancer and he's pretty much about to die mm-hmm. and he calls his mom and is like i really would love to see you before i go you know like Mm -hmm. this is my one last wish is to see my mom and she's overcome with emotion because she's like i have to go like there's Mm -hmm. there's no doubt in my mind like i must go like there is a situation where i will get extradited and i could go back to jail but i'm going to try everything i can so she like gets her lawyer and makes a plea to the court in in germany i believe to waive the rest of her sentence Mm mm-hmm she's just begging at this point Mm -hmm. like she's she's like i and she has so much remorse even before this she was just like i don't even recognize that human being that i Mm. was at rajin's program like that wasn't like i almost feel like those are two separate people i was so heavily involved and i don't ever ever want to go back to that whoever that person was right? right so she shows real remorse she goes to the court shows her remorse makes her case she's like i just want to see my son i just want to like move on from this nightmare that was my past and the court grants her like everyone is in tears by her story and grants it to her like yes go please see your son and the judge even turns to her and is like i have never been so glad mm. to you know remove someone's sentence before yeah you know i see it genuinely that you are different now like yeah. go see your son so there's a huge contrast there with between her and sheila like yeah the question that will never get answered is like like why and is it worth it to like maintain the story unless she truly believes it and it's like we don't know like do you actually really feel this way but it is what it is it's just a baffling moment in history and time Mm -hmm. that i just can't believe that happened (laughs) all right i think that's it yeah thanks so much for sharing that doing two parts absolutely loved it so uh antidotes i feel like we (laughs) haven't I know. I feel like like it's been a while, while, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. My anecdote, not anecdote. My anecdote is your cow shirt, which is freaking adorable. I love it. Thank you. It's very soft. I needed new like pajamas. Yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, (laughs) Okay, that'll be my antidote for today. Okay. I went all in on my summer shopping. I decided to just get a whole new wardrobe for the summertime. Yes. um, Because I felt like it was time. And I think what also made me want to buy new clothes is like, I've got my first vaccine. I'm getting my second Mm -hmm. vaccine the first week of May. And I'm like... I know that we should all still remain responsible despite Mm -hmm. being fully vaccinated Mm -hmm. by the summer. But I just know that like I will be stepping out in some way. (laughs) Yes. And I want to look presentable and stop relying on all my comfort clothes I've been wearing during quarantine. Right. I mean, no shame in the game. I will still definitely wear leggings and whatever out. But like, I'm like, I don't even know what a good outfit looks like because I've just oh been wearing sweaters and sweatpants all day right. every day. So I was like, fuck it, let's go shopping. Yes. And now I got some really cool pieces, like nice mix I love and that. matchy. That's my I'm antidote. so excited to see <laughs> I am so excited to see you in these mix and match outfits. We're gonna Thank have to you. like go out and do something. Yeah. Just in in safe measures. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I love that antidote. Yes. Nothing makes you feel better than a new outfit just nothing whether you're a guy girl whatever doesn't matter like when you find like that magic pants Mm -hmm. shirt or whatever combo and it just Mm -hmm. fits and hugs all the right places just right yes and you just feel good you're like yeah nothing nothing gonna stop me today because that Uh -uh. adds to your confidence right it makes you yes it does and then you look confident and that adds to like your honestly like you're that adds to your attractiveness level and so you feel good look good it's magic on that note, it's not my antidote, but on that mm. note, like I feel like I've I've made a more conscious effort to be more bold mm. in my clothing items. Kind of going out of my bubble because I feel like for so, so long, I just dressed a certain way that mm. was more, not conservative, but mm. it was like kind of like hiding myself. I don't want to stand out. Yes, but, okay, so I would yep. say... I am the same. Harini and I mm-hmm. have a lot of similarities in yes. our like style choices, right? But we are very distinct in our own styles. But I would say mm-hmm. it's true that we we have good style. I'm not gonna yes. I'm not gonna like be humble. <laughs> like, <laughs> we I recognize when people around me have good style. I think yeah. we both have really good style. I but think so. We do tend to kind of hide yeah. our look. Like we kind of yeah. have this. What we do, we have this bomb ass outfit underneath and we're like take a little peek take a peek i'm capable (laughs) i'm capable of being really fucking stylish but i'm gonna cover it to Mm -hmm. have a little bit of mystere but it's more than just like covering for the mystery it's like covering because it's comfortable we're just raised that way to just kind of like yeah cover it you know totally totally and i think there's an added layer of not wanting to be fully seen and be like oh all eyes on you right Right, because that can be intimidating at times but i feel like i also i want all eyes on me yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) like i'm ready to like i'm ready to arrive so (laughs) (laughs) like i feel like i've made a more conscious effort to be more bold in my like color choices or even this cuts and styles of clothing that i might wear out and i find it really refreshing I have a cardinal rule when Mm. I go shopping. Now Mm. this is getting long, but like I have a cardinal rule when I go shopping and I tell this to Drew all the time and I think, Mm. I think it's him that laughs about it, but Mm. I'm like, if you don't know how to put it on, don't buy it. (laughs) Like if it's, right. If there's too many straps, if you don't even know which way is supposed to, your head's supposed to go and your arm's supposed to go, like don't buy that shit. But then I broke that cardinal rule and I bought something that was like very wrappy. Like there's like, it's just like wraps and then you have to like, wrap it around your body and then make uh-huh. it into a top and <laughs> if you do it right it is so uh-huh. classy and beautiful and right. effortless yeah and i wore it out to like fedex mm. that's it well Hell i wore yeah. it out to fedex and i felt the eyes on me and i was strutting mm-hmm. my stuff and i good, felt good. great you know Amazing. i'm like yeah this is something different you know shipping so. in style <laughs> shipping in <laughs> style uh, I like literally awesome, wore out dude. for a total of five minutes, but it was worth it. It was worth but those it five minutes. But felt good, right? You just it felt great. Just, your, your whole day was a good day. Exactly. My antidote is yesterday. <laughs> My antidote is yes, yesterday. Oh. So I am at home now in San Diego, mm-hmm. and you know 
there's not a lot of people in San Diego that I know anymore and mm. I'm kind of a social butterfly and I like, mm-hmm. you know, hanging with my friends all the time. So Megan was so sweet to invite me over for dinner for Ramadan mm-hmm. and we shared a nice meal together and just like mm-hmm. hung out and it was so nice because Megan and I talk on a regular basis for sure, mm-hmm. but we are the kind of people that we have to see each other in person and we like save all our stories for in, per- Absolutely. <laughs> in person. Absolutely. And so when I saw her in person and I, I had not even sat down and she's already diving into a story and <laughs> I just absorbed every word. I was like, yes, this is what I lived for. Like she could have been yeah. telling me anything. She could have been telling me about like her freaking <laughs> garbage man picking up her garbage. I don't even care. I was enthralled. That's awesome. And I was just like, I love my friends and mm. I just enjoyed a nice evening with Megan. So that is my yeah. antidote of the week. Oh, that's so sweet. I love that. And like, ditto. Like, I don't know what else <laughs> Yeah. Like, ditto. Like, uh, yesterday evening was such a treat. It's like tradition for us, even though this is like what we do as friends. Like, this is just, yeah. we always spend like a good several hours with each other. Yeah. Just yeah. eating, sharing our stories, watching some, <laughs> keeping up with the Kardashians. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I think last night just made me feel even more proud to have yeah. you as a friend and to have this friendship that yeah. I recognize. Like, yeah, I watch TV and eat food with other friends all the time. <laughs> but with you, Harini, with you, it is something that is distinct. Like, I, yeah. our time together is super... It's just special. Not, it's not, special. To, not yeah. to knock on the other friends. Like, no, but it's no, special no. because it is. Do, I'm doing it with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's so funny that you use the word proud because mm. that's, I would say, on an, any other level, that might be like a weird word choice. But I, mm-hmm. it's weird because I felt the same exact way. Mm-hmm. Like when you were telling your story, I was like, I'm so like proud of this friendship like I feel like we've been friends for a long time now and Mm -hmm. I was like we are really like blossoming into these wonderful young lady Mm -hmm. adults (laughs) and it's just like two really like awesome friends true meaning of friendship just hanging Mm -hmm. out enjoying each other company cooking Mm -hmm. for each other yeah and watching some trash tv (laughs) (laughs) it feels good good. it feels great yeah Yeah. so that was a really amazing fun moment Yeah, thanks for coming over for dinner. I appreciate it. Yes, absolutely. All right. We are done here. Guys, thank you for another episode. I'll just quickly say my sources for both parts. Majority was from the Netflix series, the docu-series, Mm -hmm. Wild Wild Country. I got information from the CDC, NCBI, The Wire, The Guardian, and Vice, I believe. And of course, Wikipedia. Nice. Nice. So those are my sources. And if you guys like this episode, please give us a rate review. It really does help us. And we always appreciate that. If you want to know more about the episodes, we always post pictures on our Instagram and Twitter. So you can follow us on Instagram at that shit is poison. That shit's poison on Twitter. And we have a TikTok at that shit is poison. We will post content uh, sporadically. But if you guys are interested, there's that too. All right, we are heading out of the episode. So until next time, don't risk it for that salmonella peanut butter biscuit. (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs)